Welcome to the Heal Utah podcast, your source for politics, culture, economics, and everything in between through an environmental lens. Cool Clothing, based here in Salt Lake City, is a product-driven apparel company with a passion for the outdoor experience. They are a group of artists, designers, and athletes who collaborate to create great products that are timeless and in constant state of evolution. Born in the mountains of Utah, their innovative designs and technical fabrics have been enhancing movement and outfitting adventures for 30 years. Find them online at cool.com, K-U-H-L.com. Hey, everybody. It's Michael Shea, Heal Senior Policy Associate, and we are back with another episode of our podcast. And we are uh, very lucky today ha- to have one of Heal's own, our, our current development director, Hannah Whitney. Hannah, welcome to Heal's podcast. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm it, excited to be here. It's, it's really cool because uh, uh, Hannah really does make all this possible to help provide our salaries, provide the funds, provide the, the money it takes to rent the studio. I mean, you really, you really do make it all happen. And so, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of curious about how, you know, what are the mechanisms of, of nonprofits? How do you, how do you keep, how do they stay in, in business? How do they stay operating? Um, but first, you uh, you are originally from Maine. Let's uh, everybody loves a good how'd you make it to Utah story. So why don't you give us a quick quick little recap? So so I grew up uh, grew up in Maine, um, and just very quickly from a young age had a deep appreciation and love for the outdoors. Like so many people in our wonderful communities of of uh, of people here in Utah and across the U.S. and um, and I came to enjoy. Uh, recreating in the outdoors and being creative in the outdoors and um, and eventually supporting causes tied to the outdoors and yeah so just had a very fortunate um, experience growing up um, picking blueberries through the woods and riding horses to the raspberry bushes and and um, spending time on the main coast and catching lobster and all of those awesome things kind of You're painting a very, relatively, a very wonderful picture yeah <laughs> relatively fairy tale esque um, but like many kids uh, built a desire to explore other parts of the US and the world as I got closer and closer to college so um, skiing as it turns out primarily alpine skiing became my main my main recreation activity in high school, middle school and high school. And I wasn't good enough at racing to really pursue that as a college thing. Um, but I knew I wanted to be able to ski. And when you when you live back east often, or at least at that time, when I thought of skiing out west, I pretty much thought of Colorado. So I um, ended up going to college in Colorado at, at Western State College of Colorado. And so I was in Gunnison, Colorado, which is a really cool little ranching town. And it has some similarities. I mean, it's a western town. It's got a mix of of ranching, but then you've got the college community, a little bit more of a young and, um, and often liberal group of people. And then right up the road is Crested Butte and Mount Crested Butte. And so that was my introduction to kind of big mountain skiing and a really fun and exciting way to um, push yourself in the great outdoors, mm-hmm. both uh, inbounds at a resort and backcountry skiing. And so that's where I first did like avalanche training and... And became a 
pro skier. And and had an a stint as an amateur competitive skier. Pro skier. <laughs> Hannah's Hannah's very humble, but she uh, uh, she has been on multiple magazine covers. Uh, no, actually, just one. One magazine cover. <laughs> multiple sponsorships. Oh gosh. Contests. Contest um, one. I have. I did win a Telluride con- uh, free ride, free ride competition once. See, but pro but skier yes, on staff. Yes. So that you was like to brag about. That was part of my story, but I guess I should backtrack a little to say that my interest in the outdoors was not just for recreation, but I also thought that I would want to work in um, in an environmental realm. And so I studied ecology and environmental science in college um, with a minor in photography. So I definitely have an artistic side and I like a balance of science and arts in my life. Um, but alongside studying, um, which I think I thought that I would be a, like a, like a, I would work for a fish and game or something like that. I mm. thought I would probably, work for the feds. yeah, something like that. Um, and um, at the same time of getting, you know, my education, um, I started really recognizing how much I appreciated doing community work and um, working toward causes that I felt were meaningful causes and. So in college, I was also a member of the um, Western State Mountain Rescue Team. And that was all volunteer, all college run volunteer mountain rescue team, fully fully certified by the Mountain Rescue Association and uh, a really, um, really talented group of people. And that became a friend group and also um, really introduced me to being much more trained and skilled in the outdoors. And then I also had opportunities to play roles in that, that in that organization, um, doing fundraising. And then I was the president for the last two years that I was in Colorado. And I also volunteered for a number of other um, causes, like I brought the first ever Relay for Life to Gunnison, and um, and some of the conservation groups would start to kind of be involved a little bit there. And so I kind of had this melding of education and recreation and um, nonprofit volunteering that were all the things that I definitely was drawn to. And, um, and so I didn't necessarily know in college or come to decide that I was gonna work in one of those directions more than the other. Things just kind of fell together after, after college and I, actually decided to not go right on to grad school or anything, but I had discovered that Crested Butte had the extreme free skiing competitions. (coughs) And so I decided to to enter one of those my senior year, and that led to four years of being a ski bum, (laughs) which brought me to Utah. Yeah, (laughs) as most ski bum journeys do. Yeah, at some point when you get introduced into the ski world um, and you're traveling, competing, and you want to... Um, have a central home base that has lots of amazing skiing, but you also want it to have the outdoor industry and you want it to have great photographers and to be able to work with sponsors and things like that. And and it became quickly apparent that Utah was going to be a fantastic place <laughs> for that. The rest is kind of history because now I've been here for, gosh, that was 2007 and eight maybe. Been here for a little over 10, 11 years. Wow. Yeah, it's very exciting. So I just started following my passions and even though skiing was a very fun stint I was never going to be like a serious professional athlete um, for a number of reasons Um, 
fear, but also <laughs> just I needed more engagement. I needed more longevity of, of a career. <laughs> yeah. Many people know about my bad broken leg, but that was actually more yes. recent. Hannah probably has the worst <laughs> scar I think I've ever seen on somebody's leg. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I am a little more careful these days. But um, yeah, I just wanted to um, I, I, I started wanting to work in the um, in the nonprofit world again and have had a number of roles that led me to heal. Um, but I've kind of been able to keep it environmental and nonprofit and a little bit of outdoor industry here and there. Well, boom. Well, that's a great transition because when I first met Hannah, she was hobbling down the hallway in a gigantic cast operating a, uh, a nonprofit. It's, I think it's a lot harder than uh, uh, you know people, people uh, expect and anticipate especially the the financing side the fundraising yeah um so why don't i mean give us give us kind of a breakdown of how that whole operation works yeah where does the money come from where does it go how does it manage yeah yeah for sure so um and i guess just a tad more background i um we mentioned tree utah and tree utah was my first real nonprofit job where I was I ended up being a full-time paid nonprofit employee and we were a small enough group that even though I was doing volunteer coordination and outreach you got to do a little bit of everything and so that's um, the first time that I was spending that much time like I'd volunteered a bunch but I really got to see the operation of a nonprofit in its entirety and um, and you're right it is it's a challenging thing running nonprofits and one of the one of the challenging things that I've noticed is that people often have an expectations that nonprofits, an expectation that nonprofits should operate as minimally as possible. Like you shouldn't have to <laughs> spend money, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, there are these, oh, well, why are you spending money on that or that? And and um, that's just a, such a challenging thing to address because you got to be like, I mean, if, if you want us to operate and fulfill our mission to as the best we possibly can, um, trying to, to scrape pennies all the time. And I'm not saying you don't do it and you shouldn't. Like, you should always ask for that nonprofit discount. <laughs> you should, all, <laughs> like, absolutely. And, and a lot of businesses and, and uh, individuals are more than willing to to you know, be part of that. Um, but just, you know, like it is important to understand that at times you, you need to spend money to make money and, um, also to make really important programs happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so, um, when I took my first development role at, um, Heal Utah, I was in a very fortunate place because I got to come into an organization that, um, in a lot of ways was really thriving, um, had been, put in a in a fantastic place by a group of people both uh, staff members board members and volunteers and donors who were just so passionately dedicated to the causes that heal has worked on and um, so I, I had the, the great fortune to come into a place where um, there were a lot of wonderful things already set up for the organization on the fundraising side um, I think we've probably interviewed Sophia in the past, but many people know Sophia Nicholas, who who worked in development and as an associate director for Heal for years, and uh, and I think one of the things that she and the other Heal staff members had done well is to put Heal at a place where we're in a balance for our funding, so that we're not too dependent on grants and we're not too dependent on individuals or businesses, but that we have a good balance of 
of um, entities that provide funding for Heal Utah. And why, why is that important? That's important because you never know what's going to happen, right? There are so many things that can have an impact on the, the revenue sources for a nonprofit. And that could be anything from um, um, a federal law that could impact um, or t a tax law that could impact how people's um, charitable giving can be recorded. Mm. And that can have an impact on how people give or when or how much. Um, and even just the economy, how the economy is doing, um, uh, politics can play in, <laughs> you know, all those kinds of things. And just you never know that someone could be in a place to give in their lives and have and be a major donor and then have something change in their life. And that's not going to work anymore. Um, or, you know, often. Uh, grantors will will not want to fund um, uh, the same organization forever in perpetuity, and and there are instances in which that is the case. Um, there are um, you know ways that people can set up long go long long standing donations or in for endowments or any number of different things. Um, but you really got to plan for uncertainty if you want to have if you want to plan for longevity in a nonprofit. Um, and what's the what's the current breakdown of of Heal's funding? Like where where does my paycheck come from? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Heal has a pretty uh, strong, almost fifty fifty balance of grants um, from foundations and um, some from like business foundations, some from individual based foundations, and then from individual donors. And those can be small donations of five or ten dollars, monthly recurring donations, or large donations of a few thousand dollars. And um, we also have um, a small portion of businesses that also um, give heal donations. And on the grant side, you have both. Um, oh gosh, I'm going to lose the word for a moment. You have designated and undesignated funds. Um, um, funds that are specifically allocated for a specific, like project. Exactly. Task. Exactly. And I'm just un oh restricted. Sorry, I just no. couldn't find the words. Okay. <laughs> so so for the grants side, you have both restricted and unrestricted grants, and and that relates to if uh, a funder has a specific interest in one of your campaigns. So Heal Utah works in three main issue areas. We work on air quality, renewable renewable energy, and climate and then radioactive waste issues. And so um, there, will be, there will be grant foundations that have a specific interest in one area, or sometimes they might be interested in multiple areas, but you still might apply for air quality support one year and renewable energy support the next year, um, depending on the needs of, of Heal Utah, or depending on um, uh, just what what the interest of that that funder might be you know they may give you some indication as to hey this year we're changing our focus and you can kind of uh, adjust depending on the work that's going on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so we've been in a really great place on both those sides we have a mix of restricted and unrestricted grants um, which is certainly something to work toward. I would say that probably a whole lot of nonprofits would love to just have a whole bunch of unrestricted grants. And the reason for that is that there's definitely, it's pretty common for people not wanting to, to, to fund overhead 
costs or management costs, you know, general costs. <clears throat> but like we Which said, are the most boring, but <laughs> probably the most important to right. running an organization. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a point at which a smaller organization maybe could work from a co-working space or even from home. I think that certainly happens. And those are ways to to save money for an organization. But once you, you know, you have a team and you um, you need to be um, just you need to be connected to your team. You know, having an office space is important. Like yeah. that's not a small small expense. And I think that art space commons where we're located and where we're a bunch of the the nonprofits that we um, that we work with are located as well. Uh, I think art space is a nonprofit itself, so I think it's kind of affordable. But you know, all these things add up. Yeah, you know, oh, for sure. we gotta have our phones working. We gotta have our internet <laughs> working. All that kind of stuff. And so. Um, funders who have unrestricted grants recognize that. They recognize the importance of supporting the organization in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we're very fortunate to have some of those funders as well. Since I'm sure everybody at one point in their life dreams about quitting it all and starting a nonprofit, I mean, what, do you have any advice for, for you know, people that are either, you know, looking to, to get involved with nonprofits or start their own in terms of, you know, because fundraising, you know, there is the mission, there is the passion, which is incredibly important. But, uh, you know, in the end, it, it really is kind of all about the Benjamins. Mm. Um, you know, what advice do you have for, for people that are kind of thinking about that type of thing? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think that it's a it's a great uh, desire to have to to work in the nonprofit realm, and if you have a cause that you care about, uh, I think that's a, a great thing to consider. Uh, but I certainly recommend checking into what other organizations might already exist that could serve the type of work that you're interested in doing, because it's possible that that something could exist you could get involved with either as a, a volunteer or as a staff member or as a board member. Um, and not only would that be a good step. Um, for that organization and your own interests. But even if you still down the line decided to start your own nonprofit because you say you wanted to just do something a little bit differently or you had your own ideas and couldn't line that up with someone else's organization, um, it would give you a great amount of experience. And and I say that because, like we've talked about, it's not easy. I think that um, I have a a good friend who was involved with getting the 501c3 status for the nonprofit She Jumps, and uh, I believe that is not an easy process. Um, So kudos to Claire um, and everyone out there who has uh, worked with the IRS to become a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, It is not easy. And... um, and there are so many great existing organizations that have at least started to have uh, have all of the important structures in place that it's worth checking into that first. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to or alongside that, um, there are so many great nonprofit resources in Utah and I'm sure in every state. Um, but you should definitely tap into those resources. Many of them are free. There's a lot of information online. Um, there are... Um, there's the Utah Nonprofits Association that has a lots of great trainings, and uh, you can learn the ins and outs of all parts of running uh, running nonprofits. And then, of course, at the educational institutions, there's a lot of information. I know Slick has good programs. They have the Thane Center and the University of Utah and Westminster. I know do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, utilizing those resources. Um, and finding finding folks that um, would be willing to meet with you and and 
you know, be mentors in the nonprofit realm are really important as well. Um, I mean, there are just so many, there's so many ways to go, right, right. To, to get something right. like that started. And there are also many great ways to get experience, um, which I do think, I mean, I think that if I had been in a place where I wanted to start a nonprofit, say, five to 10 years ago, versus where I am now after having years of nonprofit employment experience, I probably would think differently about how it would go about doing something like that. Uh, well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us. We do have some kind of sad news. Uh, sad for Heal, I think pretty pretty awesome news for Hannah that, that <laughs> you're, you're leaving, but... And, pause uh to go to go backpacking in in patagonia for for a couple months here this fall it is true yes it's very bittersweet because um y'all be coming up on my three-year anniversary in september and i absolutely love the heal utah team that i work with uh the staff the board the volunteers everybody donors um but it is very exciting to get the chance yes to to join my husband and go for a little adventure. It's, I mean, I feel so fortunate to be able to do it. And I know it may not be an easy thing to do, but if anybody's dreaming of doing a great trip. Make it happen. I, I certainly encourage well, you to make it happen. We're all certainly going to be li- living vicariously through you. Yeah. Um, but Hannah Whitney, everybody, Heels, uh, current development director, we will miss you. Thank very you. much. I'll miss you guys. But and, I'll be around. But she will be around. And I'm back. sure we'll we'll swing her into more heel yes. heel activities in the future. Yes, um, absolutely. And join us at the fall party and say farewell. Yes. Fall party, which is on Thursday, October tenth. Thursday, October tenth. I'm Michael Shea, Heel Senior Policy Associate. Uh, once again, Hannah Whitney. Thank you so much for joining us and I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening and supporting the Heal Utah podcast. Join us next time where we will keep looking at politics, culture, economics, and everything in between through an environmental lens. Yeah, thanks all. Woo! Yeet! Yeet! I want the yeet added, Grace. (laughs)